Let us pray. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As far as I know, this is the final in the Love God series 2.7. You will not hear of this anymore after this. Okay, how many of us are old enough to remember a certain Bonnie Hicks? Bonnie Hicks. Ah, all the older ones say yes, okay. You must be of a certain age, yeah? Bonnie Hicks was a model and an author. Um, but she died at the very young age of 29 when she was on board Silk Air Flight 185, which crashed into the Musi River in Sumatra, killing all the passengers. I think some of us remember that. She also wrote a book entitled, Excuse Me, Are You a Model? And I mention that because uh, that's the inspiration for the title for today's sermon. Excuse me, are you a martyr? Um, did you know that except for John, all the other disciples were martyred? And um, although Stephen was the first and not an apostle, we think the final apostle to get killed was Thomas, who went all the way to India and uh, founded a church which exists today and has a branch in Singapore called Matoma. Uh, so that church is actually 2,000 years old. From the Book of Martyrs, you can see a whole list of those who have uh, died for Christ and from the very early Polycarp, whose name sounds rather fishy, to Jim Elliot, who was killed by the Alka Indians. We are told that in the 20th century alone, more Christians were martyred than all the 19 previous centuries combined. And it doesn't seem to be lessening in many areas of the world. So let me say that again. Excuse me, are you a martyr? And if we are truthful, we're probably thinking like, hope not. <laughs> Perhaps that's because uh, the word martyr means dying for your faith. But in the New Testament, the word martyr, and I think we can have the next slide, is actually a family of words which translate basically witness, testimony or to testify, two nouns and a verb. Only later in the English language, next slide, where it got to mean uh, someone dying for their faith. So let's rephrase. Instead of, are you a martyr? Excuse me, are you a witness? And that doesn't sound so bad. Do you have a testimony for Jesus? The season of Advent uh, highlights the coming of Christ, as we were trying to explain last Sunday. And one person who features in Advent was this guy called John the Baptist, a very strange person who, if he came to Angmokyo this morning, would probably not be allowed in because of the way he dressed, at least. Um, 
John the Baptist is seen as a herald of the first coming of Christ. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, um, Matthew records, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And then John, in his gospel, chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, also talks about John the Baptist. And John writes, There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. So, John the Baptist is probably the first witness to Christ. Are you a witness for Christ? Well, before you try and reply, let us remember that Jesus himself tells us that we are his witnesses, whether we like it or not. We have no choice. Reverend Malcolm Tan, who has pastored a few churches, and he's now at uh, CCMC, he told about hearing Ajit Fernando. Now, Ajit Fernando uh, was the speaker at our oldest gate services in 2004. He's a Methodist in Sri Lanka and uh, a graduate of Asbury Theological Seminary. And he serves or has been serving you for Christ Sri Lanka for, I think, 40 years or something. Now, Ajit Fernando talked about a lady who was expressing tremendous anxiety to him because she had just become a Christian. And she was surrounded by non-Christians. Later, Ajit said that he again met her and out of concern, how, asked, how are things? And this is what her reply was. It's okay. Thank God they haven't found out I'm a Christian yet. Are we this kind of witness for Christ? We need to know that we are witnesses, whether like, we like it or not, for better or for worse. Margaret Lee Runback writes this. I think she's right. A man leaves all kinds of footprints when he walks through life. Some you can see, like his children and his house. Others are invisible, like the prints he leaves across other people's lives, the help he gives them, and what he has said, his jokes, gossip, that hurt others or encouraged. A man does, does not think about it, but everywhere he passes, he leaves some kind of mark. And all these marks added together are what a man means. This is true about our witness for Christ as well. The question is, what kind of witness are we? I don't know whether you've heard of this thing called the open-ended Richter scale, which was used to measure the strength or intensity of earthquakes. Now, I heard this personally from a person who knew Richter personally. Does that make sense? Charles Richter. He told me Charles Richter was a very conservative, stern person, especially in the way he dressed. Uh, 
I read somewhere that when he retired, some of his colleagues made a, sang a parody of the Richter scale, and he was furious with them, thinking that he, they belittled his work. Anyway, one day, Richter was scheduled to give a very important lecture, and his colleagues decided to prank him. They got one of his good friends to convince him that he should wear this special tie to enhance his image. And so because Richter was generally a trusting person, he agreed. And at that time, no such thing as projector, don't even have OHP, only got what? Slide projector. You know what slide projector? Anybody? You remember, right, the older people? Slide projector. And to use a slide projector, you need to switch off the lights. You see, when they switched off the light, it was clear why the tie was so special. Someone had painted in luminous paint an obscenity on the tie, a very vulgar word. And so the whole room erupted in laughter. Richter never spoke to that friend again, ever, ever, ever. Sometimes, you know, a witness for Christ is like this. I use, as, I use it as a metaphor on purpose. Because of the darkness in our lives, a witness glows, glows offensively in the dark. For example, when we are racist, abusive, when we mistreat our domestic helper or foreign workers, we are like this in our witness for Jesus. Sometimes our witness distorts the message of the gospel. You know, nowadays when uh, there are foreign language movies or uh, when foreign languages are used in movies, people are more careful and make sure that the words are exactly what they say. But a long time ago, they weren't so um, careful because I suppose in some ways the U.S. has always been a bit arrogant and think that you know, only theirs is the market. They didn't care about what happened to the rest of the world. So there was this movie that was being made that needed some words in Swahili. And the director assumed that, you know, there would not be a world market. So uh, what was needed was a scene that needed an African uh, messenger to gasp out a sentence to the chief, collapsing as he delivered the message, for because he had run for days, just like Marathon, I suppose. Um, so they hired a local English person to write, uh, who knew Swahili, to write this urgent message. And um, he did so with tongue-in-cheek. And the uh, American actor, who didn't know Swahili, and had to say the words, played the part beautifully. And all was well until this movie was shown in Nairobi, where people, of course, spoke Swahili. And this moment of great drama was reduced to high comedy because the messenger, when he threw himself on the ground and gasped out that urgent message, actually said, I don't think they are, I'm getting paid enough money for this part. Now, in the same way, sometimes we give a totally different message or even gospel by our witness. Much has been mentioned about the hyper-grace and health and wealth movement. Sometimes they call this a different gospel. Some 
uh, scholars have called this a different gospel because their view is that they distort the actual message of the Bible. So excuse me, are you a martyr? Are you a witness? Your answer must be yes, but what kind? In Acts chapter 8, we have one of the most famous biblical examples of personal evangelism. And for some of us, if we know the story and we read it, we think, you know, how nice it could be like this for us. It's so miraculous. You know, right time, right place, right message, right person. For Philip, the evangelist. By the way, Philip means lover of horses. Just throw in that for uh, free. Um, let me read to you then this encounter Philip has with the Ethiopian eunuch from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. He rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, um, Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shearer, its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Although we may think how nice it would be for us if this could happen, what we need to know that it is already like this for many of us. We are at the right time. We are at the right place, and we are the right person. We need to ask ourselves, even, it doesn't, even though it doesn't sound so nice, who is our Ethiopian eunuch? Or to put it more politely, who can we be a Philip II? Who can we be a Philip II? So let me respond to that question by providing a couple of examples. This was written by a pastor. I don't know who, but uh, 
I found it somewhere. This pastor says, you say, well, I've got these worlds and I know who the people are, but I'm not the witnessing type. The pastor continues, let me suggest that the ways of witnessing are infinite as love will create. Take the case of this lady who was in the children's ministry. I'm adjusting yeah, for our context. Not exactly the hot spot in the church for evangelism, you would think. She was converted in her middle 40s and had very little background and training. But she had a marvelous gift from God. She loved children. She loved children. And through the children, she loved the parents. She got to know them. She prayed for them. And the pastor says, during the five years that I was her pastor, I baptized many young couples because this woman had witnessed to them by loving their child. All those of you who work in children's ministry or serve there, I hope this encourages you, that by loving children, you can be a witness for Christ. Excuse me, are you a witness? There's another uh, account of this uh, Chinese lady called Christiana Tsai, uh, same surname as the Taiwanese president who now caused a bit of problem. Okay. Told of her ministry uh, to her family after years of suffering pain through illnesses. One day, one of her brothers, who had rejected the gospel, assembled the members of the family without them knowing the purpose. He told them, I've seen Christina, Christiana many times and wondered how she could endure all this suffering. Now, I can see that she has been given some sustaining power and can only explain it as coming from God. So I have decided there must be a God after all. I read the Bible and realized I'm a sinner. So here and now, I want to tell you that I have accepted Christ as my savior, asked him to forgive my sins and promised to follow him. Christiana comments. The brother who tore up my Bible persecuted me in the early days as at last confessed my Lord. In all, 55 of my relatives have become God's children and expressed their faith in Jesus. I've never been to college, theological seminary. I'm not a Bible teacher. I have only been God's hunting dog. The person who spends a lifetime suffering from sickness through the illness and pain is also a witness. Excuse me, are you a witness? You see, we are all, as Christians, called to interpret God's word for others, God's good news. Philip interpreted to the eunuch the words of Isaiah. Make no mistake, we are called to do that in some way, different ways in our lives. And we must know that the interpretation need not be very theological. The interpretation can actually be incarnational. 
I maybe have used this illustration before, but it's so good I think using it again is not a problem. Anthony Campolo, uh, do we have a picture of, yeah, the one with no hair. Um, he's a fantastic creature, but he tells about a drunk, an alcoholic, who was miraculously converted by a mission, an outreach, a social outreach, Christian social outreach. And we'll call him Joe to protect the guilty. Prior to Joe's conversion, Campolo says, he was a hopeless, dirty wino. And it would seem that it only would be one day where his existence would fade away in a drunken stupor. But God had a different plan for Joe. He made a life-changing commitment to Christ and was supernaturally transformed. He became so compassionate and caring. He spent his days helping out in that outreach, that mission where he was converted. And no task was too lowly for Joe. He cleaned up the vomit of the alcoholics, scrubbed down the toilets uh, used by politely called careless drunks, assisted the men into their bed when they were too drunk to even find where to sleep and always maintained a smile that communicated his gratitude for being able to help. One night, the mission's director was uh, about, uh, was, had given an evangelistic message and appeal. And another drunk who was repentant came to the altar and began to pray. And this is what he began to pray. Oh God, make me like Joe. Please make me like Joe. He was shouting his prayer over and over again. And of course, the director, being theologically trained and all that, a good Christian, decided to suggest to Joe, Joe, um, I think maybe it's better if you prayed, Lord, make me like Jesus. Yes? And Joe looked at him and asked, Is he like Joe? Excuse me. Are you a witness? Okay, finally. You know I'm quite sincere when I say that. Final example I like the best, and I've used this illustration many times in my preaching. This comes from the book, Evangelism as a Lifestyle by Jim Peterson. We have a, yeah. Jim Peterson testifies him, about himself. He gives this personal testimony of how his friend, Mario, got converted. Peterson writes, A Brazilian friend, Mario, and I studied the Bible for four years together before Mario became a Christian. As an intellectual who read almost all the leading Western thinkers from Rousseau to Kafka, he had blended together a personal philosophy that was fundamentally Marxist, that is atheistic, with Bertrand Russell as his patron saint. Bertrand Russell wrote the book, Why I'm Not a Christian. He was a political activist, a leader in many Marxist activities. Why he kept studying the Bible with me for four years, and why I stuck with him so long, neither of us can explain today, but there we were. Since he lived his life on the philosophical plane, our Bible studies often pitched in that direction. That means very highly intellectual. One day, a couple of years after Mario became a Christian, he and I were reminiscing, and 
He asked me, do you know what really it was that made me decide to become a Christian? Of course, immediately Jim Peterson said, I thought the numerous hours of Bible study and intellectual discourse and discussion, but being a humble Christian, like uh, many of us, he said, no, what? Pretend, huh? Mario's reply took Jim Peterson completely by surprise. He said, remember the first time I stopped by your house, your home? We were on our way somewhere and I had a bowl of soup with you and your family. As I sat there observing you, your wife and your children, and how you related to each other, I asked myself, when will I, when will I have a, relation like, a relationship like this with my fiancé? When I realized the answer was never, I concluded I had to become a Christian for the sake of my own survival. Jim Peterson concludes, I remember that occasion well enough to recall that our children were not particularly well behaved that evening. In fact, I remember I felt frustrated as I corrected and scolded them in Mario's presence. Excuse me, are you a witness? Who can you be a Philip to? Who is your Ethiopian eunuch? Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, you are my witnesses. He doesn't give us a choice. He gives us a command. But he also promises that he will provide us help. Because he says, it is the power of the Holy Spirit. We are God's witnesses, whether we like it or not. And like Philip, for somebody... We are the right person in the right place at the right time, except that it may take longer, sometimes much longer. So, we can be a Philip by sharing our testimony. Please write down your testimony. Don't think you will always remember. When you grow old, you forget a lot of things. Write it down. Place it somewhere. Read it again and again so that you can say it properly. You can share the gospel by itself, you can invite friends to church, the Alpha course, help out at the SAC, sharing the lives that we have is probably the best way. We need not be perfect. We just need to be true. We need not be perfect. We just need to be true. So today, we need to remember as uh, we join in this sacrament of communion at Advent, we ask God and pray that he will grant us grace to be his witnesses. If we really love God, we will be his witness. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for entrusting us with such an important message. Thank you for trusting us to be your witnesses. Forgive us when we have uh, distorted or even been uh, vulgar 
in our witness for you. We pray that you will cleanse us and give us the power as you promise to be witnesses for Jesus wherever we are. In his name we pray. Amen.